my honor one more time to release unto you Bill Rice the third. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we're going to read together verse 22. Let me just say to those of you who are guests here tonight, whether you've been the Gospel Baptist before or not, we really are pleased to have you here. Uh, Mary, my wife, and I are guests, and we're glad to be here. And more importantly, everybody in this room that is part of a Gospel Baptist, is glad to see you here if you're a visitor. I hope this won't be your last time to be here. We'd love to have you back. You can hear the pastor preach on Sunday, and that will be worth your while. But we thank you for coming tonight. And for those of you who have guests or visitors, that is, you invited someone, God bless you. Keep at it, all right? Tomorrow night I'm going to be preaching on the home and you certainly are invited to be back for that. It's an important service. I promised the Lord many years ago that I would try to preach on the home in every revival campaign Mary and I were privileged to be in. So I'll be preaching on the home tomorrow night, and I hope you'll be here for that. Luke 16, verse 22, you have it? If you would, please, out of respect to the scriptures, let's stand as we read. Luke 16, verse 22, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Father, there's so much that you've given to us in this chapter and in this story which the Lord Jesus told. I know we won't catch all of it, and we won't deal with all of it, but I do pray that you'll help us to see important things tonight about the place that the Lord Jesus called hell. I pray for people who don't know tonight for sure that they'll miss hell and be in heaven. May that be changed in this service, and I pray for those of us who have trusted the Lord Jesus that will get a glimpse tonight of the terrible and awful place from which we need to see people saved. So please help. Help me as I speak and be with my friends as they listen. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. It's amazing how vivid this is in my memory because it's not really that important. But years ago, Mary and I were traveling, and we were in the state of Montana. And we stopped for fuel. It was in the spring of the year, in mid-April. It was chilly, but not cold. Just, just chilly enough to make everybody who was getting fuel want to go inside to be sure that they warmed up. And so after fueling our vehicle, I went inside to pay the bill. While I was in there waiting to pay, there was a man who was also fueling, and they came in twice. And both times he came in, he spoke 
to the man who ran the filling station, and both times he used the word hell. Now, he wasn't mad at the man who was taking his money. He wasn't mad at the filling station. He wasn't mad at me. We hadn't even met. I don't think he was upset about anything, but at least twice in his coming into the station, he used the word hell flippantly. Now that's not a shock to any of us. We all hear that quite often, do we not? People will ask, what in? And then use the word hell. Or they will say, it was as hot as, and then use the word hell. Or they will say, that was one, using the word hell, of a game. So that we use the word without any thought to its meaning. But the Lord Jesus preached on hell often. In fact, Jesus Christ had more to say about hell than any other subject upon which he spoke, with the exception of the second coming and related truths. So that again and again and again, Jesus preached on hell. And in Luke 16, there's an entire story about a rich man in hell, a poor man in heaven that Jesus told. Now this is not a parable. A parable is an illustration. It's a story that could be written for the purpose of illustrating a point. This is not a parable. It's an actual event. This actually happened. And Jesus said there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was laid at his gate a beggar named Lazarus that was full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abram's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell lift up his eyes being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they that would pass from us to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now this is an amazing story. In fact, seriously, I mean this. There is no way in one setting 
we could see all that Jesus gave to us in telling this true story. I want us to see the place of hell tonight and the misconceptions that surround it. And then I want us to see the escape or the way to prevent going to this terrible place called hell. It's ironic that a lot of the misconceptions we have about hell supposedly come from this story. For example, someone says the rich man went to hell because he was rich and the poor man went to heaven because he was poor. The idea is the rich man had it good on this earth, but when he died, he got his comeuppance. And the poor man who suffered and was indeed poor, when he died, God in his mercy saw to it that he went to heaven. That's not true. The rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich, and you can know that because in the story there are two rich men. One is the rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. The other was named Abraham. Abraham was very wealthy. He had herds and flocks. He had over 300 people that worked with and for him. He was a quite wealthy man. I would argue that he would have been as wealthy as the man clothed in purple and fine linen, perhaps more wealthy. And Abraham was in heaven while the rich man in this story was in hell. So the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. And the poor man, though poor he may have been, didn't go to heaven because he was poor. God doesn't say, if you have it hard on this earth, you'll have a reward and that reward will be heaven. The rich man went to hell and the poor men went to heaven dependent on what each one did with the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you won't go to hell because you're rich, and you won't go to heaven because you're poor. You won't go to hell simply because you're bad, and you won't go to heaven because you're good. You will literally go to heaven or to hell dependent upon what you do with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Another misconception about this story is that hell is a place of friendships. A young lady said to me once, you know, I never did believe in God much, and I think I'd just be better off in hell. The idea that hell would be a place where her friends are, and hell would be a place maybe of continual partying. Well, I said to her, if there's a hell, there's a God. You don't believe in God, why should you believe in hell? If there is a hell, there is a God. And if there is a God, and he says there is a hell, then there is a hell. And it's not a party house. And even if it were, how could you enjoy it in such a place? How, how would anyone enjoy the horrors of a place that provide torment, where the flame reaches upward forever and ever, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not, where there is continual, unbelievable darkness. If hell is a place of partying, 
why didn't the rich man talk to his buddies in hell instead of Lazarus and Abraham in heaven? Now, the concept that hell is just a place where you have one great big blank of a time forever is not only silly, it's insidious. It's terrible. Hell is not a place for parting. Another thing that people often think when they read this is that hell is just a grave. You know, when you die, you die like a dog. No matter who you are, where you are, your hell is the grave. Sometimes people call it soul sleep. And it comes from the phrase, the rich man also died and was buried and in hell lift up his eyes being in torments. But the idea of hell being the grave is the idea that when you die, everything is over. And whatever Jesus taught in this story, he did not teach that everything was over at death. After all, the rich man continued to suffer. He continued to think. He continued to express himself. He continued to talk. That's true, he was buried, but in hell he lift up his eyes. Now that doesn't mean that he saw with the eyes that were in his body, his body was in the grave. But you know, you don't really see with your eyes anyway. Did you know that? Your eyes are like a lens. You don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. But if I were to die tonight, I couldn't see. Not with this brain, nor with these eyes and this body, because this body would cease to live. But I wouldn't. I would continue somewhere forever and ever and ever. And it is obvious that the Lord Jesus was teaching that. The rich man's brain may have been in a grave, his eyes may have been in a grave, yet in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. The thing that gives your body life is you. And you are going to exist someplace forever and ever and ever. And hell is no place in which to live for eternity. It's described as a place of outer darkness. Think of how fear and suffering are compounded in darkness. You know, most of us have never been in complete darkness. Unless you've been on a cave tour or in a mine, you, you probably have never been in a complete darkness. If all the lights went out tonight in this auditorium, it would be dark and I wouldn't be able to see much. But there would be some light from cars outside or maybe from the heavens. There would be some light, but most of us have never been in complete darkness. I was once in a coal mine. A fellow took me in a coal mine to show it to me. And we went down an elevator several hundred feet. We walked uh, down a path on a train track. That's what I would have called it. And when we got back to where they were currently digging, there was a curtain that separated the main part of the mine from where they were currently digging. Nobody was there at the time. And he turned the lights out just to show me how dark it was. You know, that was a terrible feeling. I knew I was several hundred feet underground. I knew there was no way for me to get out, and I couldn't see anything. You've heard the expression, you couldn't see your hand before your face. 
Well, I couldn't. And if I'd been there for 30 minutes so that my eyes would have become accustomed to the darkness, I would still never have seen. Hell is a place where you are separated from loved ones. Hell is a place of suffering. Hell is a place where the worm dieth not. That is decay. Hell is a place where the fire burneth upward forever and ever and ever. Hell is a place where the screams of the damned exist throughout all eternity. Hell is no place where any thinking person seriously would want to go. So the question is, if hell is so terrible... How do I keep from going there? Well, you can thank God for this. The Lord Jesus told this story not just to warn us of hell and to give us some insight to life after death, if we can call it that, in hell, eternal death. The Lord Jesus told the story to show us how we can keep from going there. Remember that the rich man said to Abraham, send Lazarus that he can cool my tongue. Abraham said, we can't do that. Well, after the rich man saw that there was nothing to be done to help him, he thought immediately of five brothers. And he said to Abraham, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him, that's Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Send him back to earth, warn my five brothers. And Abraham said, they've got Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Now Moses and the prophets is a reference to the written Bible, because Moses and the prophets were not contemporaries. That is, they didn't all live at the same time. Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Amos, other men who wrote the word of God as we have it. They were inspired of God. God told them what to write, and they wrote the scriptures. So Abraham said, look, they've got the Bible. Let them hear them. You've got five brothers. You don't want them to come to hell. They've got the Bible. Let them hear what Moses has to say and the prophets have to say. By the way, for you Christians, I think it's interesting for us to note that the Bible he was talking about is the Old Testament. There's sufficient in the Old Testament to see all about hell and to see the way to escape it. So he said they've got Moses and the prophets. No, 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 said the rich man. Typical of a man who has turned his back on God, he had no understanding whatsoever of Bible truth. No, no, he said, that won't work. But if somebody went to my brothers from the dead, in other words, if Lazarus, who had died, would go back to my five brothers, then they would repent. And Abraham said, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't be persuaded though a man rose from the dead. Do you have any idea what the Lord Jesus was saying there. Think of this. If they won't listen to the Bible, they wouldn't be persuaded if a man came from hell itself to warn them of hell. Suppose, suppose there's a man 
that lives in this community. Let's make him 62. He lives in this community. Everybody knows him. I don't because I'm a visitor. But you all know him. He's 62. He hates God and says so. He hates the Bible and says so. He says hell is just the figment of some preacher's imagination. Hell is just a place to party. I'd rather be there than to be in heaven. Hell is just the grave. You know, hell is just a place for us rich, successful people, says this 62-year-old. And suppose he becomes ill, and uh, this is Tuesday night. Suppose last Wednesday, at home, in bed, ill, cursing and swearing and damning the very name of God, suppose this man died last Wednesday night. Now, I mean this. If he died last Wednesday night, cursing God, rejecting the Son, he was in hell last Wednesday night. So here we are on Tuesday. We're at Gospel Baptist. I'm preaching this man, unbelievably, walks in the back door. Now, I don't know him, but you do. And he begins to walk up this aisle, and as you see him, you are just shocked. He died last Wednesday. His funeral was yesterday. And here he is walking down the aisle of Gospel Baptist. And he gets to about the third row, and he looks up at me and he says, could I have just a minute and a half in this service, please? People here know me. They know I died last week. I just, I just, I just need maybe 90 seconds. Could I please have it? Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know what I would do if that happened. Not knowing him, I would probably say, no, you can sit down like everybody else, and when we're finished, you can say something. But suppose I said, okay, 90 seconds, that's it. Suppose he walked over here and came up these stairs, and he came back behind this pulpit, and this is what he said. You know me, don't you? You know I hated God. You know I made fun of the Bible. You know I damned the very name of Jesus Christ. You know all that. But last Wednesday night, people, I died. And everything Jesus said about hell is true. The weeping, the gnashing of teeth, the darkness, the loneliness, the torment, the fire. It's all true. It's all true. And in hell, I begged God for 90 seconds to come back and warn you people of the horrors and the terror that is hell. I must go back there myself now. And suppose he walked back the steps, down the steps, out the aisle, out into the darkness of the night and back into the pit of hell. you'd be no more likely to put your faith in Christ than you would be tonight in hearing what the Bible says. Because Jesus said, if you won't hear Moses and the prophets, you wouldn't be persuaded, though a man 
came back from hell itself to warn you of it. Oh, you say, oh, wait a minute, Bill. Wait a minute. I'm not sure I believe all this Bible stuff, but I mean, if a man, if I knew he died last Wednesday, and if he came back to life and he came up here to warn, if I saw a person that had died and come back to life, I, <laughs> I would be a believer in a heartbeat. No, you wouldn't. There's already a person that has died and come back to life. And it's provable. Seen by above 500 people. Seen by James, Peter, and Paul, all authors of the New Testament. The man's name is Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't know that I, I believe in Jesus. Well, you can believe what you want to or reject what you want to. The truth is, you won't listen to the Bible and there's no hope. Now, I'm serious. This is a terrible subject. And I never enjoy speaking on the horrors of hell. But I will tell you something. If you will not listen to what God says, there's not a thing on this earth that will keep you from hell. You don't have to go to hell tonight to be there. All you've got to do tonight is reject Christ. You could live another 10 years, another 15 years, another 20 years. You could live 40 more years and then... Die in your sin and go to hell. See, all it takes to get to hell is rejecting Christ. You're going to die. All it takes to get to hell is to reject Jesus Christ. You say, well, Bill, seriously, this gives me a problem. If what you're saying is true, then either the rich man had never heard the truth, or the Bible is not as powerful as you claim. Because if the Bible is as powerful as it claims to be, and the rich man had heard it, he wouldn't be in hell tonight, he would be in heaven. I'm convinced, and I think I can prove it, that the rich man knew much about hell and that in his own day and culture, he had been in gatherings where teaching or preaching, if you will, on hell had been clearer than it could ever be tonight. I think he knew all about hell and I think he knew how to keep from going there. Let me see if I can convince you of this. Fair enough? Number one, he was a Jew. He said, Father Abraham. I think it's unreasonable to expect that a Jewish man living in the time of Christ would never have heard anything about hell. He didn't have to be a believer or a good Jew. I'm just saying, he, he would have heard about hell. Weak evidence, but evidence nonetheless. Number two, you have to take into consideration the testimony of Lazarus. The rich man said to Abraham, let Lazarus go back and testify and tell my five brothers. Now, I don't know that this is true. I really think it is. But I would guess that 
the rich man had heard from Lazarus about hell and heaven. You know, it's typical for people who know the Lord Jesus to want others to know about him. And so I think he'd heard from Lazarus. And you know, I know we've heard that the rich man was an ogre and he was a clod and he was, he was as mean as a snake, but none of that is true. The fact of the matter is the rich man allowed a poor, sore-filled beggar to lay at his gate. He allowed him to do that. And somebody says, yeah, well, he just ate the crumbs from the table. Well, crumbs from the table doesn't mean that the beggar crawled up into the rich man's house and every morsel that fell off the table he got. No, no, it means that leftovers were provided to the beggar. And in hell, the rich man not only recognized Abraham, but he recognized Lazarus, the beggar. So I think it would be reasonable to assume that he had heard about heaven and hell from Lazarus. Number three, he wasn't surprised. Suppose you died tonight. Suppose, suppose you're here and you're uncomfortable, and I can understand that. I, I honestly can. And you're thinking, you know, this is no fun hearing a guy tell me that hell could be part of my future and, um, you know, I just, uh, I just, <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. And suppose you're in your, uh, let's make it 40s. And so after the service, you go home, you're a little bit upset because you think to yourself, I didn't enjoy that guy. I didn't enjoy that talking about hell and all this stuff. It's just, it's, it's upsetting and I didn't enjoy any of it. You go home, you're 47. You go into your house, you go to the kitchen. Your wife's made some cookies. You get two of them. You go to the refrigerator and you get some milk and you get a glass and you pour half a glass. And you're going to walk back to your bedroom and turn the TV on and eat the two cookies and drink some milk, something you enjoy doing. You don't know this, but heart disease will culminate in a fatal heart attack before you get to your bedroom. So you're walking down the hall. It's 10.05 and 8 seconds. In 10.05 and 12 seconds, the heart attack completes itself, and you fall on your face in the hall, dropping the glass of milk and the cookies, and you're dead. If you've never trusted Christ tonight, this is not next year, this is not in 10 years, if you've not trusted Christ tonight, at 10, 12, 08, you'd be in hell. That's tonight. Now, if that happened, what would you do? Well, I don't know. I don't think any of us could predict that, but I think among the things you would do would be to say to yourself, you know, I didn't enjoy that service. I certainly didn't enjoy that preacher, but I know what he's talking about now because here I am. You wouldn't say, where am I? What's happened? What's going on? You'd know it all. Whether or not you believe it, at that point, you would say, I cannot believe it. I'm in the very place the rich man about whom he talked tonight is. 
But suppose you'd never heard about hell. Oh, you'd, you'd heard people say, oh, and then the word hell. You'd heard people say it was a, using the word hell, of a whatever. But you'd, you'd never heard a serious Bible discussion on hell. So you really know nothing about it. You know that, you know, bad people go there and good people don't. That's what you think. But you, you, you'd never really heard anything about hell. You go home tonight uh, from a friend's house, whatever. 10.05, you get the milk and the cookies. You're walking back to your room. 10.05 and 12 seconds, the heart attack is over, and you're dead. 10.05 and 12 seconds, tonight you'd be in hell. Now what would happen? Well, again, I don't know. I can only... I can only surmise, here's what I think I would do. If I had never heard about hell, if I knew nothing about hell, and suddenly tonight at a little after 10 o'clock I was there, and I was in the darkness, and I was in the torment, and I could hear the screams of the damned, and I knew that I was essentially alone, I think I'd begin to cry out. I think I would name people I know and love. Don't you think? So I think I'd call out for a wife or a father or a son or a daughter or a good friend. I think I would say, God, God help me. What, what, what's happened? Why, why the flame? Why, why the darkness? Why, why the loneliness? Why the screams of the damned? God, please, in God's name, what's happened? Doesn't that make sense? But it's not what happened to the rich man. He died. He was buried. In hell he left up his eyes being in torments. And he seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He did not say, where am I? He did not say, what happened? He did not say, dear God, What's taking place? And I think the reason for that is he knew all of it. He knew just like you would if you died tonight. Now, frankly, I think those things, testimony, Jewish, no surprise, I think those things pretty much seal the truth that he knew about heaven and hell, but if they don't, this does. He had five brothers, remember that? Send Lazarus to my five brethren, lest they also come to this place of torment. Well, wait a minute. They have Moses and the prophets, said Abraham. Let them hear them. Now listen to this carefully. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will Now, repent is a theological term. We don't use it much, not certainly in the way it's given in Scripture. But this man knew that repentance was necessary for his five brothers to be saved. Repentance means, literally the word means, 
to be new-minded, to have a change of mind. And the idea is, I'm okay. I'm not going to hell, I'm okay. I'm a good man. Or, I'm okay, I go to church. Or, I'm okay, I'm religious. Or, I'm okay, I love my fellow man. Or, I'm okay, I, I treat others as I would have them treat me. And suddenly, you come to the truth of the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to heaven is to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. So you see that from the Bible, and your mind is changed. From I'm okay, I can make it, to I need to trust Christ. All right. The rich man said, if my five brothers would just hear the truth from Lazarus, they would repent. Then he knew, didn't he? He knew exactly how to be saved. He knew exactly what was necessary. He knew exactly how to keep his five brothers out of hell. Which brings an obvious question. Why then was he there? And I'll tell you the truth, I don't know the answer to that. I can guess or surmise. But there was no reason. There's no rationale. Listen, the rich man should not have gone to hell and therefore should not be there tonight. Well, why wasn't he saved? Why didn't he repent? Why didn't he trust Christ? I don't know. Maybe... Maybe it was money. Maybe the rich man said, look, I've got a great business. Things are going fine. I'm only however old, 40, 50, 60, 68, whatever. I'm doing fine. Now, I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know that money's not going to get me to heaven. And I, I know I need to come to this Christ. I know that I'm, I'm going to, but, but you know, I'm so busy with life I just can't come to Christ. And while he was saying that, he died, he went to hell, he's there this second. Maybe, he said, you know, I'm a pretty good man. I go to church. I was, I was in church on Tuesday night once. <laughs> it wasn't even Sunday, you know what I'm saying? I'm a pretty good guy. I, I go to church and I, I have a Bible and... Uh, I, I'm kind to people, and I, I have this business, and I give people jobs, and I, I, I pay salaries, and I, you know, really, I'm a pretty, and I believe in God, too. I want you to know that. I believe in God, and I believe in America, and I believe in mom and apple pie, and I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. And you know what? I suspect he was. And in the midst of saying, I'm pretty good, he died and went to hell. Maybe he said, you know, I'm Jewish. And I believe the law is important, and I love Moses and Abraham, my father Abraham. You know, if I were to see him tonight, I'd recognize him. And I'm, I'm a religious person. I mean, I don't go to church or anything like that. I, I don't go to the temple or the synagogue every Saturday or whatever. But, you know, I, I, I do go. And... Um, 
course, they didn't have Easter then, but um, they may have had something like that. And I, I go to special things, and I'm, I'm a good man. And while he was saying I'm a good man, he died in his sins. He went to hell. He's there this second. Maybe he said this. Look, I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ. I know that. I've heard that. People have prayed for me. People have talked with me. I know I need to be saved. And I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I mean this. I'm going to. Not tonight. Because I don't want to be emotionally uh, pushed into something um, that I, I may not fully understand. So I'm, I know I need to be saved, and I know I'm a sinner, and I know I can't go to heaven without Christ. And I, I'm going to trust, not tonight now, but I, I'm going to do it. And while he was saying, I'm going to do it, he died. He went to hell. And he's there tonight. He shouldn't be. There's no need of us being in hell. So here's the question. There's no hope for the rich man. I hate to say that. I just hate to say that. But there's not. But there is for you. So here's the question. Do you know that you're not perfect? Do you understand that you're a sinner? I am. Do you understand that you're a sinner? Do you understand that God is God? And in him is no darkness at all. Do you understand that Jesus Christ died in your place and paid for your sins and offers to you the gift of eternal life? Then why not trust him tonight? Why not just say, now look, the deal's not religion, the deal's not my living good, the deal's not my being a member of Gospel Baptist. The thing is, I want to come to Christ and ask Him to be my Savior. Every person in this room who has the assurance of heaven as home has that because at some point in his life he trusted the Lord Jesus and knew it. And you can tonight. No matter who you are. And I don't want to close without saying this. A great number of us in this room tonight are saved. A great number of us in this room tonight will never be in hell. It's not because we're good. It's because we've come to the one who is perfect, Jesus Christ, and we've said, God, your son died for me, and I'm trusting him as Savior. There are a number of us in this room tonight in a church named Gospel. The word means good news. And the good news is the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day. And he did that for our sins. And you know that. Let me ask you a question. What kind of Christian would keep that to himself? See, Brother Rice, it's, it's frightening to tell people about the Lord Jesus. I don't care if it's frightening. Do you love the Lord? And in God's name, why not live like it? We're so taken up, we Christians, with the fact that we're saved and we're safe and we're okay that literally a world around us can be on its way to hell and we don't seem to care. If this is an average Baptist church, there are people all over this room 
who in the last year had not told one person about the Lord Jesus. Now notice I didn't say in the last week. I didn't say in the last month. I didn't say since December. There are people in this room, if this is an average Baptist church, who in the last year of your life have never, never told one person about how to get to heaven. Let me tell you something, people. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. God's people ought be, can I use a word I don't like in this context? We ought be motivated. We ought be stirred up knowing that there is a hell and that no man needs to go there. And if it means maybe being laughed at or maybe being shut out or maybe not being listened to, so be it. It's great to be happy, isn't it? How happy are you going to be at the Bema if the people you know and love are not with you there? It's no wonder that the Bible says, in heaven God shall wipe away all tears. Well, I guess so. But it need not be. It need to be. I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. I know that. But all you're commanded to do is tell people. And so the question is, do you? If you don't, you should. Let's bow for prayer, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor's going to be standing with me at the front. There'll be a pastor also watching in the auditorium. I'd like to ask two, maybe three questions. I'm not going to point anybody out tonight. I'm not here to embarrass anyone, but let me ask two or three very important questions. And you may answer by simply raising a hand should you desire to do so, all right? How many people here would say, Bill, I, I see what Jesus was saying, and I need to repent. I need to turn to Christ for salvation. Not depend on my religion, not depend on my good works, not depend on my love of man. I need to trust the Lord Jesus for salvation. And I want to do that tonight. I want tonight. I Right now, where I am seated, I want to say, Dear Lord Jesus, save me tonight. If you'd say that, would you slip a hand up right now where you're seated until I see it? We'll wait just a moment. Just slip a hand up. Preacher, I would like to trust the Lord Jesus tonight where I am. Pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated? We'll wait. We'll wait on you here just for a few moments. How, how many people here would say, I may not be all I want to be or all I need to be or all I should be, but I do know Christ is my Savior, and I'm on my way to heaven. Would you raise a hand up right now? Real high, real high, would you? Well, now that's wonderful. Thank you. You can take your hands down. Now, have I missed anyone? Is there anyone else who would say, I can't say that, but I want to be able to say it. Pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up where you're seated? Anyone else at all? Well, wait. Anyone else? I can't say that but I want to be able to pray with me and for me. Anyone else at all? Okay, last question. How many people here would say, you know, Brother Rice, when you said there may be people in this room tonight who haven't told someone about the Lord Jesus in a year, 
and you'd say, you know, maybe it's not been a year, but it's been too long. And I, I don't think uh, the time is the issue. I just think God dealing your heart is. And you'd say, you know, uh, Brother Rice, I need to be a bold witness of the gospel, and I really haven't been of late. And you'd say this, I want tonight to be a turning point in my life, and I mean business for God, and I don't care who knows it. And I want to be the witness God would have me to be. And you'd say, pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up right now where you're seated? Hold them high. Hold them real high. Real high. God bless you. Thank you. You can take them down. Thank you. Let me ask the same question again. Do not raise your hand a second time. Bill, I want to be the witness God would have me to be. I don't believe I have been. I want to be the witness God would have me to be. I want to be faithful in tracts and in telling people and inviting people and helping people to come to the Savior. And you say, God spoke into my heart and I want this night to be a turning point in my life. Pray with me and for me. Would you slip a hand up? Not yet, raise your hand. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Yes, God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else at all? Okay, you want to look right this way? Want to look right this way? Here's what I'd like to do tonight. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that in the church we are to provoke. The word there means incite, stir up. We are to provoke one another unto love and good works. Now there have been, I don't know, 20, maybe more, People who raised a hand saying, God spoke into my heart. I want this day to be a turning point. Now you know that and I know that, but nobody else here does. And it would be a blessing to them, an encouragement to them, if they knew that God had spoken to your heart. In fact, maybe somebody's hearing God spoken to your heart, and if somebody else lets you know that God has spoken to his heart as well, it, it'll be an encouragement to you. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask Pastor Bill to stand down at the front. And if God spoke into your heart, look, there's nobody here but us. There's nobody here but us. I know there's a lot of us, but there's nobody here but us. If God spoke into your heart, I'd like you to stand to your feet right this second. Just come down here. Take Brother Bill by the hand. Let him pray with you. Then you go back to your seat. All right? Just come on right now. Whoever you are, wherever you are, however many, it makes no difference. God spoke to your heart, you just stand your feet. I want to be the witness that God would have me to be. Come down and let Brother Bill know about that, and then go back to your seat. Father, help as we continue now in the invitation over the next few moments. May others come in whose hearts you're working, we pray. For Jesus' sake, our heads are If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.